0: chapter four of two sides to every question by Maud jean frank this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by kirsty chapter four boarding-house experiences there is an old old refrain of an old old song humming in our ears tis home where the heart is wherever that be arthur delta fully subscribed to its sentiment he was a dear lover of home a believer in the affections that enfolded it he knew that its attractiveness had nothing to do with wealth or luxury for he had passed a happy boyhood independent of either the very name of home had a charm for him an irresistible charm and it was that induced him to make a selection of a boarding-house when the arrangements and diplomacy of his uncle compelled him to seek a residence in the vicinity of the business premises a home in a private family where only two or three gentlemen were accommodated with the use of a piano was no slight attraction to one who yearned for something different from the general character of boarding-house companionship regulation and fare he was a passionate lover of music and the use of a piano was a very considerable item in the inducements held out by the clement house advertisement for at that particular period of our city's history pianos were not to be found in every house as they are at its present stage when from the erards grand to the ancient antiquated broken-down old broadwood with its quavering notes and half dumb keys yellow with age no family of any pretension above the labouring class is supposed to be without an instrument nor was arthur delta merely a lover of music he was no mean performer and on leaving his uncle's house with its delightful musical evenings he had sadly wondered what he should do with the fingers so very familiar with the dear ivory keys from which he had so often distilled comfort in sorrowful moments or given expression to his joy the house and the piano and the private family were the bait that made a capture of arthur's head the conquest was completed by the cooing voice and lady-like demeanour of the mistress of clement house mrs Delaney was an irishwoman with all the native grace which educated women of the emerald isle are known to possess it was impossible to avoid being fascinated even when long experience detected the baser metal beneath the gilded exterior and arthur delta as plenty of others had done before him overlooked many an act of meanness and duplicity in those fascinations which in spite of better feelings and daily revelations will assert their power to enthral it was only the fascination of manner that won for mrs delany was not a young woman her face was thin and worn and unattractive though her hair was still black and abundant and its tasteful arrangement either a gift or a study she possessed the talent of making the most of things from the cold shoulder that found its place on the table very frequently so garnished by pretty speeches and other condiments that her boarders forgot to complain of its visitation to the well-worn well-darned well-sponged carpet on the floor and the cushioned boxes that did duty as toilet-tables or ottomans in various parts of the house everything in her own parlance was so lovely so exquisite that it seemed impossible to differ from her outwardly at least whatever one's private opinion might be to arthur at any rate her words of sympathy were pleasant however wildly different were the actions that followed them she was not a widow as arthur at first supposed her to be though the ruling genius of the house for her husband was a nonentity providing little towards the establishment and putting in an appearance as seldom as possible he was in fact seldom seen and as seldom heard if an occasional lumbering lurching stumbling motion on the stairs at night and an indistinct guttural utterance might be accepted he returned home from his engagements whatever they might be late at night and early in the morning the smothered stealthy movements of shoeless feet scarcely broke the slumbers of the other inmates of the house the final closing of the street door alone betraying his departure to arthur this told its own tale the skeleton in this house as in many another was a terrible one the curse of the inebriate was on the brow of its master and with all her faults he could but pity and sympathise with the efforts to maintain the household and conceal the shame which bore so heavily on the mistress the household er it was the household that strangely enough deprived clement house of its pretended title to either the privacy or comfort of a home mrs delany had three daughters all charming fascinating girls at least in their mother's eyes anything but fascinating in his the eldest certainly had some pretensions to beauty much too of her mother's easy grace of manner but to Arthur, who had been accustomed to the lovely attractiveness of mind as well as that of person, who had grown up among gentle sisters in a country house, the forward manner, the fast language of these young ladies divested them, in his estimation, of every charm, of all attractive power. Therese Delaney was the beauty, Adelaide the wit, Marguerite the schoolgirl of the trio whose short dresses were considered an apology for all offensive freedom and saucy speeches to arthur they were all alike intolerable fortunately or perhaps unfortunately for them as for the fostering of those fast manners that rob so many of our colonial girls of any title to the lovely feminine graces one naturally looks for and desires in a woman what was intolerable to arthur was a source of attraction to the other gentlemen who shared with him the advantages of home in this private family and the use or abuse of the piano there were two besides himself and the trio certainly had not one point of resemblance in common andrew MacPherson was a tall raw-backed scotchman sandy-haired sandy-bearded and bewhiskered his very complexion might have been termed sandy if such a term were at all admissible he was a thorough scotchman a heelander as he himself boasted and like most of his country would take good care of number one he had done well for himself since his advent in adelaide for a long time past he had held a lucrative situation in the postal department and according to report had a tiny nest-egg in the bank besides having his name in two or three societies he was decidedly eligible in mrs delaney's opinion notwithstanding that he owned to be on the shady side of forty and her eldest daughter was scarcely nineteen so she lavished her soft speeches upon him as well as upon arthur and perhaps for the daughter's sake he too restrained the impatience he could with difficulty conceal at many of the deficiencies discomforts and annoyances of both bed and board that all alike experienced at clement house caleb holt or caleb holt esq as his letters were always directed was totally the opposite to his friend for friends they certainly were having known each other for some months during which they had equally participated in the attentions of both mother and daughters with this difference that the first submitted to the flirtation of the lovely therese while the last-named was wooed by adelaide's sprightly wit caleb was as short as andrew was long he was a decidedly diminutive man with hair and whiskers of no particular shade and a small-featured insignificant face Which he strove to render masculine by a most elaborate moustache to curl this round and round his fingers was his constant habit from morning till night. How he managed to fulfil his daily avocation amid the lace and silken fabrics and more heavy articles of drapery with which he was familiar was a matter of mystery. He must, however, have given satisfaction to his employers, for he was a permanent hand in one of the largest drapery establishments Adelaide at that time contained he was in fact a good salesman polite and attentive to his customers two most excellent acquirements behind the counter in which unfortunately some of our adelaide draper's assistants have not been sufficiently educated though many in this particular department are all that can be desired one other acquirement caleb possessed to perfection he was a devoted admirer of terpsichore tripping lightly on the fantastic toe and he largely appropriated the piano being good at pokers shodishes and waltzes, though he never affected any higher style of music songs sentimental ones particularly for which he played his own accompaniments were his great delight he was therefore esteemed a bon parti wherever music or dancing were in the ascendant and consequently his evenings were frequently spent from home but for this arthur's fingers would have made little acquaintance with broadwood's yellow keys for the rest caleb holt was harmless enough his conversation was simply chit-chat but he was good-natured and good-humoured and always ready with a laugh so that though andrew McPherson more frequently laughed at him than with him he and caleb were very good friends indeed arthur delta had little in common with either his education the whole manner of his life and associations unfitted him for ordinary companionship his own inclinations were in fact as his uncle soon discovered decidedly not mercantile he wanted the faculty for gaining or acquiring his duties though well were mechanically performed as all duties will be where the heart is not engaged mr clinton was right the home education he had received was prejudicial to the attainment of wealth he was a delta in every sense of the word a delta as much in his love for literary pursuits as for his lack of acquisitiveness. No wonder that though he was agreeable to his new associates, he made no progress in intimacy with the inmates of Clement House. On their part, they formed their own opinion of him, not altogether a favourable one, and yet they had nothing definite against him. Indeed, it was rather of what he was not than of what he was that they had to complain. A very good sort fellow, that said MacPherson in his broadest scotch but Uncle prud ah well answered good-natured little Caleb. we must make some excuse for him these new chums are often proud at first and i verily believe they suspect every one they meet as coming from the other side it's amusing to see how they look one over how condescendingly they regard everything colonial ah we'll mourn the cullant might have his day maybe when we are better acquaint he'll like us Willie, now and there has so many airs until he's peep though this length he's near an addition to clement house as mistress delaney would have us think this was after the first day or two of arthur's appearance among them the girls expressed their opinions quite as characteristically well now therese darling what do you think of mr delta Ma says he's a good catch for his uncle is as rich as rich said adelaide a simile failing her i saw him fix his eyes on you more than once so it's for you to go in for a conquest me sure and i'll leave that for adelaide delaney to do i see nothing particular in mr delta and if his uncle is rich no reason why he should be so sure but he's handsome thea you know he is yes he's handsome enough but i like fair men best like mcpherson Pertly exclaimed marguerite from the floor where she was tying a ribbon round the neck of a tiny sky terrier her sister tossed her head and turning her back went on disdainfully arranging a bouquet of flowers dividing it so that she might fill all the vases by a little admixture of dried grasses where did you get your flowers asked marguerite springing up from the floor and coming forward i know ma did not give you the money to buy them i'm so tired of taking mother's sandwich to school but when i asked for the money to buy my lunch she said she had no change ma did not buy them therese answered shortly who gave them then oh darling you might as well tell said marguerite caressingly did mr delta thea come now there's a love ah do tell now but thea was obdurate and did not choose to confess the fact is the bouquet of flowers had been brought to the parlour by the servant girl a very decided hibernian The only thing Thea was clear about for some time was that they were for herself. Faith, and they's for you, miss Thea said Bridget with a broad grin that exasperated Therese to the last degree. But who told you to give them to me? One of the gentlemen? Sure then, and it's one of them that did that same. Which one? asked Therese the tall dark one, the one with dark hair and moustache. Moustache? What's them? You stupid girl. "'The hair on his lip, to be sure.' And Therese drew her own slender finger across her upper lip by way of illustration. "'Sure, and you're right, miss,' said Bridget with twinkling eyes. "'It's the very ground you tread on, he worships. That's easy to see.' "'It's not Mr Delta,' said Adelaide, turning round Duster in hand. "'I don't believe it, Thea. Bridget has only made one of her stupid blunders again, "'I'm jolly well sure. Look here, Bridget, "'did you say Mr Delta gave those flowers to our Therese?' faith miss Addie, dear and it's meself never mentioned no names at all at all bless the girl did mr delta or mr mcpherson give those flowers surely you can tell whether the man's head was black or sandy added adelaide waxing impatient And indeed but i can then it's as sandy as judy mccarthy's jem axin your pardon miss MacPherson. said adelaide bursting into a hearty laugh and running out of the room this had occurred that very morning and therese was still too mortified with the mistake she had made quickly to respond to adelaide's questions or marguerite's pert suggestions she had been greatly flattered at the idea of the homage already paid to her fair face by such a man as mr Delta, and the discovery that it was merely an attention from an old admirer was a downfall altogether distasteful to her she left the flowers and the discussion for her sisters to finish at their leisure and in their own way I don't like him. I know that, said Marguerite decidedly. Ma did say we must be sociable, but faith, and it's no use to be sociable with him. He don't know us yet, suggested Adelaide. But I think Macpherson's right, his uncle proud. That's just what I thought when I saw him first. However, we've got to be civil. Mind that, End of Chapter four